you ever wondered what might have been? Would things be different if you caught the train instead of missing it? How much would your life change if you were 10 minutes early? Hello? Instead of 10 minutes late. Helen? I had just caught that train. I'd have been home ages ago. Oh, just don't go wondering about things like that. Now, Helen's life is about to go down two different tracks. Gwyneth Paltrow and Gwyneth Paltrow in the story of a woman about to choose between a life with a man she's always loved. Terry, I asked a simple question. I mean, there's no need to become Woody Allen. And a life with a man she's just met. I kissed you. Yeah, I spotted that too. Intermedia Films and Mirage Enterprises present a romantic comedy about one woman. I'm over him. No, you're not. I am. And life's infinite possibilities. Don't think that I... I, I, I didn't think that. I'm truly, truly sorry. chances and a destiny that lies behind two sliding doors a film by peter howitt welcome back to the show welcome back good to be here beautiful night Indeed. love this episode already Everybody out there listening, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. Yay. Pete, do you yes. know what timeline we're recording this episode in? Are we in the A story or the B story? <laughs> I mean, I hope B based on the, the final product, I guess. Well, I did get my, my hair dyed and cut into ah, one of this yes. 98 look. I love it. So I guess that we're in the B story. Sure. Works for me. Mm-hmm. Works for me. Oh, man. We got a good one today. We got a good one. So Sliding we watched doors. Sliding Doors from 1998, directed by Peter Howitt, yes, produced by Sydney Pollock, the late Sydney Pollock, yes. with our friend of the pod, Joshua Clement. Welcome back to the show. Hey. Hi guys, welcome good back. To be back. So we landed on Sliding Doors, and you wanted to do this movie, which is perfect because a young gay Scott. Loved this movie. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. You loved a Paltrow movie? I loved I mean, this is our first foray into Gwynny. She's very hot and cold with people, but I love me some vintage 90s Gwyneth Paltrow. Sure. And we were tweens during this time. Yes. I mean, giving away too much. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know if I needed to enter on a wind chime or not. Ooh, <laughs> man, I don't have a wind chime sound effect. We need to get one. Yeah, here, maybe th- this'll this will um kind of uh take uh, the place of the wind chime sound effect. It's kind of in the same vein. <laughs> that's when that's when we miss the tube. Yeah, you miss the train. Mm-hmm. You get a we big, miss the train. A big boing. So wow, you guys were, little girl. <laughs> so you guys were tweens. Yes, ma- uh, watching this movie and and loved every minute of it. Loved it. Awesome. Informative, showing me all sorts of things I didn't know before. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like this is just this entire movie just feels like a gay choose your own adventure. We get different <laughs> different stories. You can either make the train, miss it. Yeah. You can get a makeover in one. You're yeah. stuck with your drab brown wig in the other. 
two types of wildly different quirky men. Neither yes. is what one would describe as a hunk. No, <laughs> no, yes. not at all. Uh. It's very British in this sense, you know, just, you know, it's all about the humor and the quirkiness is what makes the man. <laughs> yes, indeed. And um, also, I, I mean, Gwyneth's accent work in this movie is second to none. <laughs> she really and, nails certain words in this movie that you can tell, well, I'm at least going to, like, nail this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, had done Emma, but she's got to do a whole different type of English accent. Yeah, this is like for sure. the Londoner accent. Yeah, and she would have the made this pretty sure. close to Shakespeare in Love, and her accent is, of that movie is a little more refined. You can tell that she's working with a dialect coach, a little more playing Viola de Essex than she is playing Helen. Right, she's and, gotten that time. Yeah, yeah, and Emma as well. I feel like mm-hmm. this one, by this time she was just like, I got this, and just winged it. Uh, like I almost feel like when I was a kid, like young, like around the time. Seven and Emma came out. I almost just assumed that she was British, right? It's like, right. and you don't know a lot about just Gwyneth Paltrow's personal life being a child, but you just assume, oh well, maybe she's just like a new British import, right? No, right. I hadn't made connections to her mother. I'd seen her show up in uh, with one British line in Hook uh, as young, <laughs> young, young Wendy. Did See, you know there that, you go? Did she you was giving us a British Pete accent. And I even got then. in a huge fight over it. A friend of ours house when I claimed well I didn't claim because it's true that Paltrow was in Hook and Pete just flat out refused to believe me. No, I think I was claiming that she was a different character. I think I was like I was like no, she is young Wendy. Yeah, and I was like, no, she's not young Wendy. She's Wendy's daughter or something. I thought someone was going to get in a fight about Glenn Close being in it as a pirate. As a pirate, <laughs> oh yes. Uh, no, I feel Good like time. I, I think I feel like I was like adamant that she was Wendy's daughter, and uh, you were like, no, she's Wendy, and I was like, get leave this house, <laughs> leave our friend's house. So, Pete, had you seen? Sliding doors before we started dating. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Of course. I did not see it in the theater, uh, but I know I had seen it. And uh, you know, my sister, Anglophile. You know, some friends of mine mm-hmm. were very into like British comedy and things. And and um, wait, what year is this movie? Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Released April of ninety eight. So this is pre Mummy. Yes. Okay. So yes. we still like. <laughs> I wasn't on the John Hanna train yet, but I feel like i had a distinct memory of like anglophile friends being like oh he's like super dreamy and blah 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 and then seeing it and being like yeah i guess he's he's yeah because he was um for the anglophiles he was red hot off of uh four weddings and a funeral yes indeed. he plays the gay yes. friend in four weddings of a, fu- and yes. a funeral yeah yes uh-huh and he's scottish in that and he's scottish in this well he's actually scottish but i feel like uh like in the mummy he was just plain old english but uh, we like that. We, we like that Scottish accent. It's giving us some, yes, some variety. Just a little backstory in the movie and just sort of the creation of it. Peter Howitt. This was definitely a labor of love for him that he spent years doing rewrites and drafts of the script, and he got the idea after almost getting hit by a car when walking across the London street. And he says, "I couldn't decide if I should have run for the train or first call my my, my mate on a phone." Howitt said, and he kind of impulsively ran across the street and almost got hit by a car. And that's when the idea of the movie came about, of just the different directions his life would have taken if he wouldn't have ran across the street. So that's sort of the idea of the movie. 
which I feel like sliding doors now, that's almost just like a term for a situation like this. And this movie is kind of cited for that. To blame for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes so much of the zeitgeist. It's like, you know, people start saying, I'm having my sliding doors moment. Right, right. Um, what I credit this movie for introducing into kind of public uh, like zeitgeist, like you said, is um, just like a, a flower in a really short blonde updo. Yes. Um, the, the hair is iconic in this movie. Captivating. The, the makeover get right. It's my favorite town. era of Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt and his uh, <laughs> relationships. Ah. Is they were kind of matching hair. They were yes. matching hair. He matched Gwyneth's hair because everyone knows that Brad is like a sponge that just soaks up who whatever woman he is with. <laughs> and some say that's a sign you can't be with someone who has the same exact hairdo as you. I don't like it. I don't like boyfriend twins. <laughs> I don't like it. I think that it's weird. I think that it's kind of super basic. This whole boyfriend twinning thing is just, I'm not on board with it. And um, I guess they were kind of doing something similar. But yeah, there's those like iconic photographs of Brad and Gwyneth when he pretty much has her like, is it the B story where she gets the cute haircut? But yeah, Brad has this exact haircut, and it's mm-hmm. it's iconic. We'll po- we'll definitely post that on the Instagram. No, she gets the haircut in the A story because she makes the train. Mm. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, going back to John Hanna, John Hanna is partly responsible for the film getting funding with Sidney Pollack because he was doing a meeting with Sidney Pollack, and he casually mentioned the great screenplay that he was about to make that needed funding, and Sidney Pollack thought the idea was interesting he read the script and that's where the funding with paramount came through right because sydney pa- was like sydney that, pollock yeah, with I paramount it's like a good person to be in the room with if you need funding for a film at that time and this is a very sydney pollock type of movie because it's a very polished looking studio movie and i think right. that's just sort of sydney pollock's brand but why do i have this image in my head of sydney pollock being like when it's like uncle sid do you she, know what I mean? She probably I, knew him. I could see it. I feel like he just comes over for dinner on Sundays and, you know, yeah. he just, like, will toss her the keys to the Porsche and just be like, go go bring me the paper, kid. Yeah. And what, then I'll have her what, keep what the Porsche. Now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What movie would you like to make tomorrow? Well, you were telling me that this role was almost written with Mini Driver in mind. Apparently, it was first choice Mini Driver, um... Jillian Anderson also read for it and then Gene Triplehorn I guess had taken a meeting for Helen and then you know later in the process uh, they had cast her as Lydia sure but yeah that I I guess it kind of makes sense uh, coming off of Goodwill Hunting well Goodwill Hunting would have just been happening at the moment that this movie was probably getting made so she wasn't quite the bankable star hmm that she would so become in the so yeah i in like the miramax fold yeah i like mini driver i think she would have been uh, a swell choice for this role i think she might have been able to bring a little bit more comedy not that you know gwen it's not funny or anything but i feel like Minnie's just a little bit can lend herself a little bit more to that especially like physical stuff um yeah i think it would have been a good fit a good fit for her yeah. but gwyneth was great in it so what are you gonna do 
I'd like to begin the conversation of just kind of talking about Gwyneth Paltrow. Because mm-hmm. what I think is so fascinating about Gwyneth Paltrow, especially now, is that she's so... She's like a lightning rod for certain people. I remember I controversially posted on Facebook once, I'm kind of a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, 10 minutes later, 10 deep comments of just wow. people saying I was wrong. <laughs> Which in some ways is weird when you think of, you know, her being a part of the Marvel universe. Yeah. And, um, you know, how this wellness company on the side has had such an effect on people because, you know, there she is, you know, these huge, huge movies. She's still a part of them, a small part. But, yeah. You know, she she's still she's still there. Yeah. Um, I feel like, well, on the one hand, if somebody's posting on their Instagram, like, I love so-and-so. Regardless of my feelings, I don't think I'm the type of person that would go out of my way to say, oh, I hate that right. person. Like, who cares? That's yeah. my opinion. Shut up. Um, rain on my parade. Yeah. But suffice it to say, Gwyneth, Gwyneth is a Paltrow, very controversial celebrity. She, I mean, she is just kind of like the dictionary definition of that's some white people shit. <laughs> but that's kind of why I like Gwyneth Paltrow is that I kind of appreciate all of that movie star bullshit. Like, yeah. I think it's kind of funny and I do think that she's somewhat in on the joke. Like, I don't really think yeah. that she treats herself that seriously and she does sometimes poke fun at her image. So I think that she's at least a little in on it. I think so. And clearly has the support of her peers. You know, a lot of, you know, her celebrity friends are commenting on that stuff and yeah, you know, posting. Yeah. And what I have to say about Gwyneth that I do enjoy is her ability to just kind of be supernatural in, not supernatural, but very extremely natural in a role, you know, especially in her work in the Marvel Universe, which judging from like what I would perceive her, you know, persona to be, I would think she would just get a Marvel script thrown on her desk and be like, I don't know what this is. No, I'm not going to even look at that. But, you know, she didn't. You know, she said, Robert Downey Jr., I trust you. Let's do this. And she did it, and it was great. It was so good. Like, her performance, especially in the Iron Man movies, are just, they're so funny and natural and believable with with him. So, uh, I think she is good at what she does. And, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that kind of, I think the common mistake people make when talking about Gwyneth Paltrow is I think people mistake not liking them as a person or disagree with them with thinking that they're a bad actress. Yes. Which, when you look at Gwyneth's filmography, even though she's been in bad movies, I don't think Gwyneth has ever really given a bad performance in a movie. Right. Yeah, she's solid. She was go-to Gwyneth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially in the 90s. Especially in this time. And you think of this time, you know, we were talking before how she's only 24 shooting this movie. Crazy. I mean, she had already worked with you know, David Fincher and Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. and Alfonso Cuaron. It, it, you know, she had already done so much at such a young age. Yeah. I, maybe the, maybe at a certain point, you know, people just say, okay, you know, I've done so much and it's time to just kind of walk away a little bit, but still keep my foot in, you know, a multi-billion dollar property like Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that she just kind of like stumbled into. She probably really did not have any idea that it would become what it did ultimately right. become. And yeah, I think it's just like, 
she doesn't need to make movies anymore, you know? Like, Goop is what it is, and she came from the status that she came from even before movies, so it's like she never really had to do any of this. But, and I think today, if there was a 24-year-old girl who came from, you know, the parentage that... uh Gwyneth came from this like legacy Hollywood family. She'd get a lot more shit, you know, from like she's has everything handed to her. You know, she's got all these connections, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't know, where do you draw the line between, you know, holding something against somebody when the work just kind of speaks for itself? Oh, definitely. So, and this movie falls in the year 1998, which Gwyneth's career in 1998 was a crazy roller coaster. I mean, she <laughs> made what five movies? Five. So it, there was Great time. Expectations, Sliding Doors, Hush, Shakespeare in Love. There's one more. What am I missing? And a Perfect Murder with Michael. And Douglas a Perfect Murder. Yes. So most pretty big studio movies, and then she ends up winning the Academy Award early '99 for Shakespeare in Love. That's insane. I mean, bam. So. Not knowing her age when we rewatched this uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, there were some comments I had, questions about the character and her arc and all of that. But the fact that, I don't know, maybe she was playing older, but if she was actually playing 24, it makes a little bit more sense. And we'll get into that later on. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, on the one hand, she's, like, way super successful, being like, I'm, you know, this PR maven and I'm going to start my own business. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, I'm a lowly, you know, food delivery person. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, one makes sense, but now the other makes sense. So, yeah, 24 kind of puts it into a little bit better perspective. But that's crazy. I can't and still making it. And still making some 24-year-old mistakes like stealing vodka from the company to start the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I mean, many... That would- Many a 20-year-old has probably gotten fired for very similar reasons. Yes. Well, I have to say, in her character's defense... She did bring it back? Well, not only did she bring it back, but, you know, it was a public relations firm. It's like they've got booze. It's there for a purpose. And, you know, I don't don't think what she was doing at the beginning was stealing. I think it was just like... That's true. That's true. Those men just had it out for her. She was the only woman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't do it, but, you know... I love that line, lesbian. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Trying to be so 90s. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this character in this movie does have a um, a female movie career, which is... Sure. Pu- she's in public relations. Because, like, I mean, pretty much you're either in public relations, you work for a magazine. Publishing, yeah. You're either in PR, publishing... Fashion or you bake. I would say architecture, but that's a male career. Though. Yeah, architecture is for boys, clearly. Or you own like a bookstore. Yeah, yeah. Or or you own yeah, a bakery. He, and I love how in these movies the meeting always you know it's top of the day, yeah. full staff meeting. You know <laughs> you're always late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's interesting. I've totally forgot like the whole idea of you know getting fired at the beginning of the day, which. I don't know. I think that's kind of bullshit because usually they, they have you work a full day before they give you the axe. <laughs> Come on. They make her turn around and leave right there. Yeah. <laughs> Spill, she spilled her tea. She got fired. And now she's going to go get her purse snatched. Oh, my goodness. Well, in one timeline, at least. Yes. 
I mean, the girl can't win. No, I mean, so to set up the sliding doors, she is uh, running the catch, the tube. Do they call it the tube in London? Yes. Yep. She's call. She's the underground going with the tube. to get the tube, and then one she makes it, and the other one she misses it because of that damn little girl. That damn little girl playing with that Barbie. I mean, just solely based off a of parenting choice. Yeah. <laughs> letting your letting your child. <laughs> we just rewatched the Broad City sliding doors episode, and I love that the girl with the Barbie is a homeless. Is like a guy. He's not even a homeless guy. He's like a Wall Street. Guy. He's like a business guy. He's like a business guy, and he barfs right in front of her, so she has yeah. to walk around him. And then the other one, Changing he barfs course. over the he barfs over the stairs. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I I guess this idea of the alternate timelines had it really been explored in mo- in a movie before? I mean, this is very like I I I would see this in like a Star Trek episode or something, but um, it was very novel for the time. Yes. You know, when we watch a lot of interviews from the period, people are just like, talk about this crazy, wild concept. And it's like, when we think about it, it's just like, well, let's just explore the two, you know, alternate realities of and it's, one mistake. And it's interesting because the 90s in film, primarily independent films, started playing with stuff like structure more. Yeah. Now, you don't need to make a traditional movie that goes from point A to point B to point C. You can have fun with a timeline. Yeah, it makes you think of, you know, Run Lola Run was a few months after this. Even even as we head into the Matrix and stuff like that the next year, it's mm-hmm. we start getting funky with, you know, timelines and dimensions. And then, and and then Christopher Nolan came around and just blew everyone's mind by by exactly. telling a story backwards. Well, I think we have uh one Mr. Tarantino to thank for all of this, this is nonsense. True. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like even at the time, people were just like, you have to reference Pulp Fiction if you're going to talk about like nonlinear storytelling in a movie. But um, yeah, I mean, like, it's, a, it's a fresh take on, on you know, nonlinear storytelling and all that. But it, 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 the alternate timeline stuff is cool. And the way that they would have it play out almost in the same scene in certain spots. Where she I would, love that. Yeah, where she would be in the same location as things were happening. There's great editing in this movie. Yeah, there's really fun And that's stuff the thing there. is that when you're following two characters, this movie never gets confusing, I don't think. That when you revisit it, I think it's very oh. clear who you're following. Yeah. And they have fun with the cuts of the movie, of when they would transition to both Helens. I was going to say, it's not never confusing. I mean, the injury at the beginning helps, um, but even she doesn't even get her hair done until, you know, a half hour into the movie. So, yeah, that's yeah, true. It's never, never hard. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I was like, okay, well, she's going to get her hair cut really quickly because that's how we can tell them apart. But yeah, you're right. It takes kind of a minute. Um, I want to talk about the friend that she goes to stay with. Well, I guess, should we set up a little bit more of, of what's going on with the story? Because the friend is crazy. What's the friend's name? Uh, the female friend, yeah. Anna? Anna. Anna. So, okay. So, in one timeline, she she catches the train. She meets John Hanna, who she had kind of seen in a, in the elevator before. They have a little, like... He picks hmm, up her earring. Like, and you were very, uh, kind of, in this COVID time that she puts the earring back on. Well, he hands... Well, I didn't comment on that until the very last scene oh. of the movie, but he hands her... The earring, I mean, COVID, whatever. He hands her an earring that she picked up off the ground and she shoves it back in her <laughs> ear hole. Gross. 
That's an I infection. just don't know why she's always waiting to go into the elevator to just fuss with her ear. You know? Yeah. Like, just yeah. take a second. Yeah. But, you know, in the timeline where she where she makes it onto the train, she just got fired. So she goes home and her live-in boyfriend, who was expecting her to be at work, is busy, you know, with one Miss Jean Triplehorn, the handsome Jean Triplehorn. Very the classic second leading lady of a movie. She can never be the leading lady. She's always the second lead. She is a saucy minx. Yes, indeed. She uh, her character in this movie makes you want to like grab her and shake her. Um, she's just so captivating because she has this face. You know, she's like this dark lady, and I always think of her in um, in Grey Gardens, the HBO. Grey Gardens where she plays Jackie O and she has like scarves wrapped around her head and big Jackie O glasses and I'm just like ah she's so beautiful but she's so awful in this movie um so the one Lydia Lydia so you know Helen catches them in the act and she leaves and she goes to her friend's house while on the other timeline Helen gets mugged she gets like thrown into a tree cracks her head open he doesn't take her purse right that's because the cop says that it was an no. attempted robbery she, she put up a pretty good fight for that purse well yeah she ended up face first into the person yeah and lydia leaves leaves just in time yes and they cross paths so she doesn't find out that the boyfriend's cheating on her so she stays with him and then that's where everything changes so in our a story where helen catches them she's just like ah oh, you're cheating on me fuck off and she leaves and she goes to visit she goes to stay with her friend. What did we decide her name was? Who has a nice place, Anna. Yeah. Well, this is where I'm going with this. Anna, thank <laughs> God Anna is just like eighth in line for the crown or something because she lives in this fabulous flat, has no job, just paints to her heart's content, and is just like, sure, go and get yourself a $90 haircut while you are not contributing to this house <laughs> at all. Um, you know, Anna is best friend material, I have to say. She sounds Irish, right? Yeah, she, she sounds does. She sounds Irish. Irish. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm assuming she's a painter and makes yeah, money why, off of this. Why we, yeah, why are we living here? <laughs> I don't yeah. think there was any type of career for Anna she had to do that something. They went in the movie. Well, she paint. She is painting something at one point. Sure, and it's like a huge painting on a canvas. It's not just like yeah. I'm just like finger painting for the day. Like she's painting on this gigantic canvas. So I'm assuming she's an artist and is just independently wealthy. Sure. I mean, why not? Yeah, she's she's doing really well. Yeah. As, you know. Helen, that catches her boyfriend cheating, has to go look for you know sandwich delivery job in the paper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, because her, you know, the house is beautiful or flat or whatever you want to call it. it is like lovely. Helen's not contributing at all. You know, they fully make a point of saying it's been like ten days. It's like all right, get a job. Um, but yeah, and meanwhile, you know, poor Helen, mousy brown hair Helen, who stayed with the with the cheating boyfriend. He's a novelist, or he's trying to be a novelist. So he's not contributing. And Helen's supporting him, too. Yeah. She was supporting him doing PR, which she made a pretty penny at. But, I mean, yeah, you got fired from one job. Look for another job in PR. Where yeah. are you going to go back to food service? But you said that there was no jobs in PR. True. None in, and none in the whole city. With the big red Sharpie. Yep. 
Yes, I always love that. Like in Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff, they're always yeah. going through the paper with the big Xing out the yes, jobs. I miss yeah. that those miss days. It. No <laughs> internet. <laughs> well, internet, internet, but you know, couldn't do that. Yeah. So she takes a job in food service, which the horror. You know? She has two jobs in food service, <laughs> yeah. too. She has her daytime and nighttime jobs. They just show her busting her ass waiting these tables. And I don't know. It's like, on the one hand, I mean, it's totally hard work. And that, the idea is to show how hard she's working to support herself and this deadbeat who's actively cheating on her. But on the other hand, you're just supposed to be like, wow, what a garbage person. She's waiting tables. <laughs> she's delivering food. Why doesn't she just throw herself off that bridge? <laughs> the pre-Postmates life where yeah. you've got a big, big old basket of that, sandwiches. you got to go to 50 million offices. That lovely Martha Stewart, like, Little Red Riding Hood basket that she has <laughs> that she's filling with, like, loose apples. <laughs> <laughs> loose apples and saran wrap sandwiches. I love it. I do have a problem with this bar, though. Sure. Having I've been to London a couple times, and the one thing I noticed was quite different than America is that after work, everybody pours into the bar. Right. And they go, they go right from work, and they're standing outside, and they, you know, this bar with live musicians playing all types of music, by the way. Yeah. Is is empty? Pretty empty. And if, if it was if it was raining outside, you know, this place should be packed. I mean, what what's yeah. going on with this bar? <laughs> Maybe they just Party live in a help. really quiet town. A lot of old people. I don't know. I love that yeah. song. I love that that Amy Mann song that's playing when she's uh, when uh, a Gwyneth is sitting at the bar having a drink with mm-hmm. that big beer. There's mm-hmm. a great Amy Mann song playing. It's called Amateur. And I think that was probably one of the first times I ever heard that song was this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the soundtrack, I, I just all the way through, iconic. I mean, I was already, I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but living for Jamiroquai at this point. Aqua! Uh, aqua, aqua, aqua uh, everything. Uh, uh, I think that this single was on the Barbie Girl album. Was oh, yeah. Turn Back Time. <laughs> that would make sense. I know a lot about Aqua. Yeah, clearly. Um, we have a couple of clips of Helen and James. Shall we play their yeah, introduction? Yeah, they have their little meet cute. Yeah. I've got a terrible tea stain in your book. Look, I don't think you're a psychopath. I just want to read my book. No, I understand. I apologize. <laughs> I'm in a little bit of a good mood today, as a matter of fact, so I've just... Sorry. Have we met before? No, no, honestly, honestly, I'm... You... You seem familiar. I don't think so. Yes. Yes, you were in the lift just now. You dropped your earring, I picked up. Oh, yes, you did. Thank you. Pleasure. Do you work there? I did do, but I've just been fired, okay? Oh, no, that's... That's horrible, I'm sorry. It's okay, you didn't do it. I thank you for your concern and glad you're in a good mood, etc. Thank you for picking up my earring, but I just want to read my book. Hmm. In her defense, if I'm ever on the L.A. Um, subway. Subway or Gold Line, I hate when people talk to me. I just yeah, want to be I like, mean, do not talk to me. I'm listening to music. I do not want to speak with you. <laughs> we but, entered the you know, headphone culture. Put your headphones in. But you never get anybody as charming as John Hanna. This is very true. Come on. <laughs> I would talk yeah, to John coming, Hanna. Coming at you with random Monty Python's Flying Circus reference. Yeah. 
<laughs> Although on the on the Monty Python tip, it's cute. It's like okay, yes. he's, you know, you expect one thing, and he says something non sequitur, and I love it. But then yeah. there's a scene where they're like in a pub or whatever, and he's just delivering a full scene and yeah, doing, doing voices. Like the full yeah, <laughs> and at that point, you know, I feel like for like British people it's kind of like there's a certain type of guy who will just, I mean, even for American people, there's a certain type of guy who will just quote Monty Python scenes. And it's like, all right, take it down a notch. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? This was, this was his go to. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But it's like, is that like somebody here, like just quoting like Caddyshack and just doing full scenes from like Austin Powers. Yeah. (laughs) It might, it might be, it really might be. Yeah. But I mean, that Scottish accent, that broke just so charming. I kind of like that this movie just, you know, what it really boils down to is the brandy glasses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. These are the main, like, MacGuffin I mean, of I the mean movie. that's how wives catch their husbands cheating, is noticing a brandy glass that is not brought out uh, for... It's a very special occasion to, to take out the brandy glasses. Yeah. And, and, oh, you know, you bumped your head. Oh, I bumped my head, bitch, but um, I did see too. <laughs> <laughs> well, also... She walks in, at, you know, just after crossing paths with Gene Triplehorn. He's in the shower, so he didn't have time to clean up after himself. And now she's in the bedroom. She's in hysteric. Well, no, she's not in hysterics, but she is, you know, she's troubled. She had a crazy morning. And what does he do but just act all weird? He, like, throws himself on the bed to, like, hide, you know. <laughs> the earring. The earring. And he, like, knocks one of the brandy glasses into the laundry so he can forget about it later on he does not have uh experience in che- cheating well maybe that's good for the character he's not a cheater but he was and so does he only listen to elton john with lydia then yeah that's not clear maybe maybe we're to understand that lydia loves elton john and he just listens to it to like because just because he's getting some because he had always told helen he didn't like elton john yeah <laughs> and every t- he's like, i hate elton john yeah yeah, yeah. i can never love a baywatch fan <laughs> so you know when she's with john hannah james james they're getting on very well but i feel like it's it's kind of non-committal like really until they spend the night with each other like what's going on between the two it's not like she's well because she's just coming out of this relationship where she was scorned so maybe she's being you know she's being guarded but I feel like it's not like, oh, well, they're fully in a relationship mode and then all of a sudden something happens. I feel like that she's kind of keeping a bit of distance with him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, this is a, you know, this would be a perfect kissing moment, but mm-hmm. it's not. But then she goes for it anyway. So she's a little torn. Yeah. She's not, she's not fully kind of down for it until they're. They're writhing in bed, 90s style. Yeah, I bed was scene. shocked that there's like a full-on love scene in this movie. I was like, love scene? You, what? Never, see, you never see shit like that yeah. now. We never just see like love scenes. Just like curtains blowing and, you know, yeah. <laughs> just yes. writhing around. It's just, you know, we don't do that. Yeah. So, okay. So we ha- we've touched on it briefly, but we have to fully address the makeover in this movie. Yes. And the... They- the elephant in the room, the big question mark, do we consider this a Karen haircut? 
I mean, this is like the video game <laughs> boss of a Karen haircut. Like she really, she really wants to speak to the manager. I mean, I mean, the Kate Gosselin was a little more severe. It yeah. was like the severe version of this. Yes, I don't think the bump goes up as much as yeah. a traditional haircut. In some scenes, like a Karen haircut. In some scenes, her bouffant in the back is a little high. But I think yeah. what's saving it from the Karen or from the or from the Kate Gosselin is the bangs. They're yes. not long enough. Yeah. They're long and they're yeah. wispy, and she's able to just like coquettishly like tuck it behind her ear every now and then. Um, but it's not the full chunk bang that goes down to her chin that's, you know, in the, the iconic Kate Goslin photograph. We did watch an interview that Gwyneth was doing uh, for Great Expectations, and the cut was growing out. So it was getting to be... Like it was a, more like a bob with It was bangs. like a bob length. So yeah. she was growing it out. Okay. And, yes, and the brown hair is wig. Oh, wig. But what I do remember... or. What I thought I remembered when I watched it again yesterday, I hadn't seen this movie in a while. I feel like I remembered it being more platinum. And I think it's just because I remember seeing the press photos of her and Brad. Yeah. And in those pictures, they were probably right after she finished making this. So she was just like, bleach it out. <laughs> because it's a little bit more PC, you know, br- yeah. brown high, brown low lights in this movie. Um Whereas she I think, can bump it up for PR, yeah. Yeah, right afterwards for yeah for the rounds, she was like platinum white. I want to, you know, what's the what's the color combination that Willem and, and James Mansfield always? Um, <laughs> so I remember it being being lighter, but that was that's just like false memories. Um, I think this haircut and just like seeing her just being like an independent woman, you know, just like turning around in the chair. Yeah, is that just kind of that was just kind of the moment when you were just like, "This is the woman that I want to grow up to be." Of course, <laughs> loved yes. it. Mo- montages with music. I yeah, mean, oh. between that, between that and the painting, and you know, baggy pants. Oh my goodness, it's what? so satisfying. Yeah, Gwyneth has the right body type that she can wear like a baggy cargo pant and like a form-fitting top and just look like super chic. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you just really side with her. Um, I know we do. We didn't talk too much about um, John Lynch, who plays Jerry, uh, the one cheating on her. But I know Scott. We've talked about how we know knew him from The Secret Garden. <laughs> He's Growing Annie Lennox's kid. uncle. Annie Lennox yes. is in The Secret Garden. Annie Lennox, yes, Lord yes. Craven <laughs> from mm-hmm. from the Eurythmics, from the from the Eurythmics. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> But yeah, he's the he's the uncle from the Secret Garden. Oh. I feel like I've Craven. I feel like I've only seen the Secret Garden once. So good. I enjoyed okay. it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Holds up really well. But but to me he was always just kind of troubled and you know withering, sad looking. <laughs> sad looking, you know, even as a, you know, a tween, I was like, I don't get this guy. Right. I just don't get him. You kind of think that she's a little out of his league. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get mean, that. You know. The woman was dating Brad Pitt at the time. But. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I get that. Um, I feel like they kind of go out of their way to make you feel like he's cheating on her, but he doesn't want to cheat on her. Because yes. Lydia was his old girlfriend. So she went back to America. Yeah. And he started dating Helen and then married. Are they married? I don't think so. Okay. So no. maybe it was just an engagement ring that she that she oh, put in the off, river. Yeah. 
And then he started dating Helen. She comes back to England and is just like, what the fuck? Like, why are you dating this woman? And she just sort of proceeds to get back in the relationship, even though... I mean, that's what's kind of interesting about the Lydia character, is that does Lydia even think of this as an affair? Just because she had him first? Right. So she's just going back into the relationship? I think it's implied that it's a couple of years, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question, what she thinks. I, she's a, she's a horrible either way. I mean, she has a lot of issues. <laughs> she's so mean. She calls, <laughs> she finds out where Helen works, calls her to deliver food to her place of work, and then makes up some fake excuse to yell at her and says that she gave a bunch of her guys food poisoning. She when just she wanted didn't. to yell at her and shame her. Yeah. For being a just garbage person up. food service Worker. Yeah, it's just straight up vicious, this woman, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the worst part is the last scene she gets in the movie. I mean, that's like so awful. That's irredeemable. You kind of want her to fall down the stairs and lose her baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jeez. Well, that's another thing. Oh, I guess man. we'll get there when we get there. But it's like that storyline is the real storyline. Right. We that's... go from rom to melodrama. Yeah, real quick. Real quick. And it takes then you... a real sharp turn. And they don't wrap it up. <laughs> but I guess if Helen is leaving him, then who cares, right? That's <laughs> right. not it's not Lydia's story, so who gives a shit what happens to her and her baby with the philanderer? <laughs> so there's a moment where there's a shot of Anna, is that the friend's name? Yes. Yeah. There's a Anna is reading a newspaper and the newspaper headline is just Harvey Weinstein just jerking himself off. Did you notice it no. in last night's viewing? <laughs> yes. Do you remember what the headline said? Well, anyways, oh, it's about the English patient winning yeah. best picture. <laughs> it's like a royal, like a royal affair or something. Wow! And it's uh, there's like Juliette Binoche on the cover of the paper. But yeah, but definitely like old Miramax just like giving themselves a reach around <laughs> for uh, and I didn't the English patient. This time, I didn't notice it till this time, and you know, I don't know if I was just more of like really tuned in to any sort of Harvey creeping in there, but it's, I finally saw it. It's these like, big what? TVs. Yeah. It must be. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, like, what is Hi he Death. doing? Sticking that in his own movie. I mean, I guess it's funny, but like given the circumstances, it's kind of, it's kind of a asshole move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, we've, we've definitely been on a Miramax and Harvey kick and that was not intentional. 54 scream. And now this, and <laughs> yeah. this movie, I don't think has a lot of, Harvey Weinstein fingerprints on it. Like this movie right. speaks more to just how polished Sidney Pollock movies are. Right. I mean, you were talking about it earlier, but you know, I, I had read that he was, you know, heavily involved in the editing process to make sure that you, you know, it was streamlined and it wasn't confusing the two timelines that, you know, Sydney was right there, you know, not directing it, but you know, guiding it. Well, I think what helped was the uh, the old book on tape, you know, wind chime sound effect. <laughs> that really <laughs> helps you like, oh, okay, here we are. Do you remember that? Having like books on tape when you were a kid, like little golden books and they're like, at the time. Yes. <laughs> and it would be like a very like pixie dust kind of noise. <laughs> yes. I mean, this the synthesizer notes with the wind chime, you know, just mm-hmm. the tension is building people. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I want somebody to mock up a choose your own adventure type of cover with Gwyneth 
in this movie. Like on an it. Il- illustration. Yeah. Like an illustration it. of it. a scholastic choose your own adventure. Yeah. So um, we, we've talked, I guess, extensively now about her hair, but I just want to add one more thing. Um, <laughs> the whole time I'm watching this movie last night, I'm just thinking to myself, did, did, weren't there like flowers? I feel like there were flowers. Weren't there flowers? And I'm just like telling in my head, and I'm not vocalizing, I'm not asking Scott, like, what about the flowers? And I'm just thinking, I'll be damned if there weren't flowers in her hair somewhere. I'm like looking at the poster, like looking all over the place for the damn flowers in her hair that I specifically remembered. And I was like, maybe... Are you mistaking it for like a, maybe it was a, a public a, a public appearance by Gwyneth yeah, at the time? Yeah, maybe she went on Letterman and had these flowers in her hair, and then lo and behold, here's her like big her you big know launch. PR launch. You know, ba- she's back, ladies and gentlemen, and here she comes <laughs> with this fabulous with those fucking updo, flowers with the goddamn flowers in her hair, and I was like, there they are. <laughs> We get the it's the party it. scene and the song is "Use the Force." Use the force of those flowers, girl. <laughs> Who uh, performs "Use the Force"? What is this song? It's Jamiroquai. Oh, that's the Jamiroquai yeah. song. I love it. Yeah, yeah. He was so cute. And, um, and this is the scene where kind of like it's their little Back to the Future moment where like the two Helens are kind of like intersecting. Yes, so we she's, get a little yeah. not a wind chime, but what is that? A little it's like a little, gong, little faint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have been a gong. Yeah, she's having a weird like Marty McFly at the at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, and it's because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Is yes. that why? I think so. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the morning sick. It's like the morning sickness uh, alternative. We sure. have this weird little faint in both timelines. Well, I thought it was because they were like intersecting a little too much. But oh. that's just my like. That's my like sci-fi brain thinking about it, like overthinking L- it. Little dimensional. Yeah, thing. yeah. They can't exist in the same like space for too long, or else they'll start to like. I like that. Eat each other. Do you think that um, <laughs> blonde Helen exists in the Berenstein Ber- Bears <laughs> timeline? In blonde Helen, it's Berenstein with with an ei. In the brown-haired Helen, it's. The correct way. I'm sure that there'll be like Baron a future Stane. a future president Bernie Sanders in it too. <laughs> Our current president <laughs> Bernie Sanders. But yeah, the the party is the pinnacle of everything. Yeah, it all changes. The men have there. to intersect, and well, at least in that timeline. Yeah, um, we've also talked on this show, like on the baby boom episode, of just when I was young, always just being very satisfied with seeing. A, a career woman succeed in a movie. Yes. And that's what I really like about that Helen portion. Yeah. Is like, I have right. this startup idea and I'm going to make it happen. And she makes it happen. I love that. Yeah. There's something fun about seeing, you know, y- your person achieve their dream and the, you know, swirl around a room while the music plays. Yeah. yeah. Wearing like a shawl. They're always wearing like yeah. shawls yeah. or like yeah. some kind of a wrap <laughs> or, or some kind of a wrap. Yeah. And well, and also the idea is that the philandering boyfriend isn't like pursue your dreams. He's just like pay the rent. And John Hanna's just like you, you do PR, do PR, like be a You're publicist. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, open your own business. Don't work for anybody else. And so he encourages her to like achieve her potential. Whereas the other one is just like stifling her potential. Right. right. Yeah. Wear the shawl. Mm-hmm. Wear the wrap. Be, yes. Be the boss. Put those flowers in your hair, girl. 
<laughs> he also has contacts too because he got you know whatever that guy does he's an artist as well or something right and, and now is this party this party isn't taking place in london right it's taking place where jerry has vacationed with lydia is that right somewhere near there no, I don't think so. I think I think okay, we're, still, we're in still in London, and it's it's a launch of a restaurant, right? That she's helping to do. Yes, it is a restaurant because there's yeah. the whole conversation about they don't advertise for Does the because the, the Baywatch lover wants uh, he, he's starting up this bar or this restaurant, right? That's right, bar restaurant, bar and grill, bar and grill. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's for- right. Yeah, I forgot about Lydia and and what's his name going. Going out of town. Ugh, too much. She's got to have her big old monologue. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Which we also have uh, bits of the monologue. Well, we have the entire monologue. But we skipped over a little bit uh, uh, as far as clips are concerned of, you know, James and um, I don't know. Did it really endear him to Helen, the whole like Spanish Inquisition? But it's just so much part of his like. His little character Quirky beat. character, right? So do you want to hear that before we get into Helen? Just so sure. we get a little bit more backstory on James. It's a quick yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Hey, remember what the Monty Python boys say? What? Always look on the bright side of life? No. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Ooh. There it was. There it was. <laughs> there it was. Do, 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 do. Yeah. So... I, yeah, I also do love that little like piano key moment too. Very like <laughs> bewitched, but yeah, he's just a little bit more um, like uh, lighthearted, a little bit more like fun loving. What does he do? His character? Is it ever even? I don't seen? know, but their life seems to revolve around boating, rowing, or his life yeah, revolves around rowing. Is I don't he, know. Is he a professional? Coxon. I don't know what he was doing in the <laughs> PR, but I mean that's probably like a Condé Nash type that's of building. Right, that's that right. sure. there's works probably building, a yeah. lot of different things in that building. Sure, but yeah, sure, I don't know. Sure. Interesting. So yeah, so like we we're saying, he he's got a little bit more like whimsy, you know, to his personality. So he really uh, encourages you know Helen to 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 be more of an independent person and and start up her own business. Whereas Jerry is the opposite of that, and. Um, he and Lyd- Jerry and Lydia go off on this vacation. He okay. I had a little bit of a problem <laughs> with Jerry's friend kind of like narrating. Right. He's like, and you're doing this, and then you want this to happen. And I'm like, all right, guy, we got it. Like, you're. Good. <laughs> it was a little <laughs> bit of like exposi- expository, and I know that's hard. I know exposition is hard in yeah. a script, right? And they wanted to give the Jerry character kind of more of a character beat or an arc that he does feel bad about all of this. So I guess that you have to have your your best friend that you can yeah. find to at the pub. Yeah. No, yeah, I, that hanging out in the pub humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I liked the idea of that. He's just. It's not sitting well with him, but the whole, you know, best friend, like, let me get this straight and then explaining it all to us. I was like, all right, there's got to be a better way of getting yeah. this exposition. Out. And he's also kind of getting some joy out of, you know, Jerry's, you know, circumstances like, yeah. you know, oh, you know, I, you know, and basically like he knew he'd messed this up or, you know, the balancing of the two women, you know, he knows about the affair, but yeah, yeah. yeah. He's definitely a little narrator there in the pub, and then 
joking about it. Yeah, yeah. But I guess you need to like round out Jerry's like character arc or whatever. But um He can't be all bad, like you said. <laughs> and um brown haired Helen is slowly catching on of this affair too, and he knows that she's catching on. Because she trails him going to the library. Um and Jerry thinks that he's going to lead her off the affair by inviting her on this trip because he knows that she can't make it. And then he'll just end up meeting up with Gene Triplehorn. Yes. Too. I mean, way to be sneaky and kind of obvious, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it makes sense. I, I always her. wanted to trail somebody like that. <laughs> I always wanted to trail somebody like that. <laughs> Preferably in a trench coat and big glasses. Yeah. Get in the back yes. of a cab and just say, follow that car. I mean, there's I, a lot of big black coats happening in this movie. I, I mean, I've got an I've got a newspaper with some eye holes cut out in it, just for that, just for that very. <laughs> you always need that a moment's notice. Um, oh, what was I going to say about Jerry? Oh, yes, the brandy glasses, which we've talked about earlier. You know, like you were saying, she's catching on a bit, so she will like question something, and every time he quest she questions something. He like throws it back at her, like, "Oh, you know, but I did it because of this, and why are you always questioning me?" and and all of that. Definite straight guy behavior, <laughs> from what yeah, I've observed. Much? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he definitely throws everything back at her and kind of makes her question, you know, herself, I guess. But yeah, I feel like I would kind of be done with him. What was he say? Like, you know, all women are that way. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with? <laughs> There's no need to turn Woody Allen. I feel like this movie was one of the first contexts I've had. I had when I was young into Woody Allen's personality was that scene where she says there's no need to turn into Woody Allen when he's just ranting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I did think that was interesting. Mm-hmm. No need to turn into Woody Allen. Um, her Queen's English. <laughs> <laughs> So what? Yeah, I don't think I had gone down the Annie Hall, the Annie Hall, you know, hole yet at that point. I'm yeah. Have so, again, not having seen this movie in quite a few years, revisiting it last night, you know, Helen. I think brown-haired Helen finds out that she's pregnant first. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's going to tell him on the phone. And I was that kind of. I was just like, what the fuck. Like, I don't know. I thought that was a little heavy. I was the whole time. I'm thinking, okay, it's it like was when she fainted. Lives, when she blah, blah, fainted blah. at work, right? And she's giving him a call. Yeah. Yes. And you know, she finds out that she's pregnant. Then, you know, uh, blonde Helen and James had this. Uh, James, right? Had this crazy, you know, sex scene that was kind of out of nowhere for me, at least. And then she finds <laughs> out that she's pregnant. And I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I've forgotten all about that, like where the stakes go in this movie. And the stakes get pretty high eventually. Yeah. And I feel like for this type of screenplay, you kind of need to have the stakes get pretty high or else you're just, I mean, it just turns into a series of montages. Sure. That you need to sort of up the ante a little bit with its characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the decision. How do we build to our climax? Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. there's going to be two Helens, and they're both going to have a baby with a different one of the guys. Yeah. Yeah, That at that point, I was like, okay, now we're kind of getting steering into a different direction for, for this. And all the while, 
I was fully still had forgotten about the major like gag gagarini at the end of this movie. <laughs> like we're just like watching la 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 and like wow she got knocked up by both of them oh man but before you, you get into that no i know we do have <laughs> to talk about gene Triplehorn's amazing monologue jeez oh, when they're at the bed and breakfast and she stubs her toe and he's talking to brown-haired helen on the phone and he like hushes her up and he passes off her screams as people making love in the next Right. Like room over. And Jean Triplehorn delivers this monologue and she completely knocks it out of the park. Uh, I think she's so good in this scene. Yeah. That you kind of feel bad for her. Like, oh man, this this does kind of sound kind of shitty for you. I know that you're kind of a terrible person (laughs) and you don't seem very nice, but you kind of get an understanding in her situation. You feel kind of bad for her. I am trying to be your girlfriend, Jerry. I am trying to win you back. It's fairly simple. I am standing on the platform at Limbo Central with my heart and soul packed in my suitcase waiting for the Jerry frickin' Express to roll in and tell me that my ticket is still valid, that I may reboard the train. Only the station announcer keeps coming on and telling me that my train has been delayed as the driver has suffered a major panic attack in Indecision City. We suggest you take the bus. That's what I am trying to do, you cripple. Except... It's quite clear that that is never going to happen, is it? No reply. Perfect. So I, I'm not waiting anymore, Jerry. I am cashing my ticket in. I am taking that bus. Oh, all my friends never go back look at me i must be crazy don't bone me for a while ow oh no don't bone me at all ever it's over again I'm trying to think of but the, is it over? the circumstances of a Gene Triplehorn drag queen lip syncing this at a show. <laughs> I mean, how far can you take that train metaphor? Oh, man. Yeah, really. That was. <laughs> I love when she's putting on her shoe and she's just like, ow. Yeah, she just stubbed her toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She's in character. Do you think that they read Gene Triplehorn with this scene? It's like, here's this monologue. That's a hard one to go. There you go. <laughs> here's the role of Lydia that you're reading for. I know that you came in for Helen, but we're gonna we're gonna leave you we're gonna read you for Lydia. Or it's like the thing they gave her, you know, to make them roll a little more substantial. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, like, we got Jean Tripleborn. Maybe we should flesh this out a bit. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) She's just like this character is too much of a witch. You need to like. (laughs) You got to give me something. something. Oh man. We're in that cream blouse. Is that a turtleneck or something? 
Now, is this before or after she like is fully stalking Jerry and like showing up on his window? This is going to be before That's because before she signs that, out. Yeah. She finds out that she's pregnant. Yeah, and she's like, I'm That's late. Like she's going. I'm to never the, yeah. late. Yeah. That's yes. very. I mean, that Dr. part Evil, does. I'm late. That part does turn a little Three's Company sitcom of like <laughs> she puts up the blinds and she's and she's standing right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Evil, I'm late. <laughs> well, yes. little, little comedy of errors moment. I still love looking at the poster. I loved looking at my at my VHS of this. And which one did you like better? The blonde one, obviously. Ah. Uh, <laughs> But look at the brown-haired one. It's almost like it's too sleek. She's that almost it's almost a Rachel haircut. The Rachel. Remember the Rachel? I wish I had the Rachel. When uh what if one split second sent your life in two completely different directions? Helen is about to find out. So we've set up that this bridge in town, you know, holds like some kind of emotional meaning to Helen because her grandfather helped build it. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it's almost as if if she were to jump off of it, she would be transported into like Kate and Leopold time. <laughs> right. Doesn't she say like when I'm, I always go to that bridge when I'm having a moment, it's like, you know. We see her like throw the engagement ring. Yeah, which is such a movie thing to do. Like, I don't think I've ever done that in real life. Whenever I'm feeling down, I don't have like a A place, a specific place that if I'm ever missing, yeah, Pete's like (laughs) freaking out and is searching all of Los Angeles for me. I knew you'd be here. He'll just find me at like the Griffith Observatory. Uh, She's parking, right? He'd probably find you crying in the video tech. Right? I know. Yes. Well, you can't have any good. Mo- you can't have any good places in LA. Just, just find me at Michael Myers's house down the street <laughs> yeah. from video tech. I'll be there. <laughs> just crying. <laughs> yeah. So everybody and their mother is pregnant. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And by everybody, I mean two Helen. Two Helen. Yeah. She's very. She's very fertile. Um. So. You know, we 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 know that this bridge holds this like emotional you know connection to her, and oh, but what we haven't talked about is like James's crazy mm-hmm. out of nowhere weird side wife. That like yes, what? he's well, taking care of his mother. Because <laughs> you because you kind of are seeing all this progress, and you're like, oh no, should I trust this guy? Yeah, is he gonna burn her as well? Yeah. And then we find out we get kind of like we get kind of like a you know a teaser like switcheroo scene where we see him with his mother who is you know elderly and we see this woman this mystery woman who clearly seems to be like a spouse or a girlfriend or something and um, how does Helen find out oh she calls him no she goes to his work. And the, like the secretary's like, oh, yes. he's like so, he's like somewhere. Oh, he's there with his wife, and she's like, what? Um, what? Yeah. Is Let it me like- stand against this wall and <laughs> get emotional about it. <laughs> it's like a secretary, right? Or like, yeah, like a front desk woman or something. Mm-hmm. And that's how she finds out. Um, At his nameless job. Yes, it doesn't matter what he does. <laughs> so that's when that's when blonde Helen kind of is like starts to like unravel. Which is conveniently timed. So it's got a writing. I mean, clearly, she can't have like a mental breakdown with, you know, not a cloud in the sky. 
we need to have torrential downpour, which we get. I mean, I love any movie scene with two characters meeting up in the rain. Not an umbrella in sight. Breakfast, breakfast at Tiffany's, four weddings and a funeral. I'll have major romantic climaxes in the rain. You need a good scream in the rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. And it's London. It's, it's, it rains a lot. This is true. It's true. Um, so he kind of uh, lets her know that, yes, he is married, but he's also separated and he's going to be divorced soon. And this whole, like, convoluted, my mother's sick. And so we're putting on this charade. <laughs> So that, uh, you know, she doesn't get upset in her, like, waning days. It's a bit of a stretch for me, but, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it works we, for the script. we got to make this really dense at the end, Pete. we just got to, you know, pile it all in there. Yeah, seriously. I felt like it got, I don't know, not that it came out of nowhere, but I guess you did need a little, you needed more conflict for blonde Helen. Yes. Because otherwise she was just living like this she just charmed lives, life. She just lives this perfect life yeah. that she missed the train on. And um, does she tell him that... No, she doesn't tell him that she's pregnant. They just kind no. of like yeah, reconcile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have... We actually have a little bit from the bridge. So let's take a listen to, uh, to what's going on there. There's a lot of rain, so that's what all the seeming static sounds like. Want to see you again? I have been through enough for one year. I stupidly believe that he was a man who was different from men, but it is clear that I made a mistake. Now, please do me a favor and go away. I am married, Helen, but I am separated. We'll walk away if you want, but take this with you. The woman you saw today was the woman I married three years ago. We separated six months ago and soon will be divorced. Nothing aggressive. I didn't tell you before because... I don't know why. I I have wanted to tell you so many times. And, and now you've found out another way. I wish I had told you. My mother is ill in hospital, as you know. And Claudia agreed to keep up the pretense that we were okay still for my mum. As a favour. She's a very decent woman. Have a mom, Helen. <laughs> well, I'm, do you? I mean, how could you not forgive you? him with that accent? <laughs> so cute, very charming. <laughs> Soon we'll be divorced. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he's so charming. He's very charming, and ultimately, he's so charming that they reconcile right then and there on the bridge. And then she gets hit by a car. And then she gets hit by a damn truck. Wah wah. Gagarini. Gag of the season. Of the street, girl. I know. Why are you just standing there in the middle of the street in the rain? I mean, I feel like any scene with a character standing in the middle of the street, I just get immediately you're, anxious. You're waiting for the it's bus. It's like when I ever see characters driving cars in movies that I just think that they're going to get in a car accident. Yeah. If the if the camera is ever like looking straight at them out their window, you know that the car is going to come and T-bone them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly what happens. She ends up in the hospital. Both Helens, Boom. both Helens have a an accident. Yes. 
the other one down the stairs. At Lydia's she, apartment. Yes. Wow, that's some like sociopath shit. Is inviting over uh, the guy that you're fucking's uh, girlfriend. And you're going to drop the bomb that you're pregnant. But and under the pretense of a job interview, yes. that is like, Stop. go throw yourself in a volcano. That is awful. I don't know what's worse, Glenn boiling the rabbit or that. This. I mean, she's like, <laughs> isn't she saying something like, you know, well, there you are. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, she's something about like, we're going to have to postpone the meeting. It's like awful. But, um, you know, she's just like, fuck this. I've got to leave. And she tries to leave and falls down the stairs. And both Helens end up in the hospital. And both Helens had not told either of the baby daddies that That she was pregnant. Yep. Yes, indeed. Serious internal injuries. No good. Mega internal injuries. Mm -hmm. So much so that blonde Helen... In, like, a giant operating theater with just James by her side, fully just kicks the bucket. Yeah. I mean, she was hit by a car. I mean, this wasn't like the Brad Pitt getting hit by the car and meet Joe Black. But, I mean, hit by a car, though. (laughs) This was pretty head-on, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that was one thing where you just, like... The one with the good life dies, so now the one with the shitty life, this is we just gotta pick up the pieces. Terrible. The but, lesson was learn the truth, you'll die. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the idea of that in the moment yeah. Helen missing the train. It's just like when you think about your life and those little moments and how much easier your life would have been if you would have caught the train or missed it, or kind of anything like that in life, and it turned out that the one that missed the train was the one that lived at the end. So it could all just work out in the long run. She was able to put the pieces together slower and just, you know, authentically. In the (laughs) last scene of the movie, she meets John Hanna in the elevator. So it was almost that they were fated to come together anyways. Some like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind shit. Yes. The 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 timelines matched just perfectly that he was leaving his mother right at the same time and she's gonna drop her earring again. Right. So maybe she can go on to have that life yes. just after she learned what she learned from sticking with, you know, uh Jerry or whatever. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love this movie. We might Stop be. On that free we, we might like disagree on this one, but I love this movie. No, it's good. I don't disagree. It's a good movie. Oh, okay. No, it's a good movie. Have we ever yeah, had like melodrama? Have we ever yeah. had like sliding door moments in our lives that we think about of like how different my life would have been if I wouldn't have done this particular thing? You know, I lived in New York for um, a few years, and you know. I felt like it was more me just picturing myself having the moment, you know, as I ran down the stairs. You know, there's so many times you just barely catch the train, right? Or you just, you know, just miss it. Um, but, but as far as, you know, that moment after where you're trying to think about, well, would this have affected my life on the other side? You know, it's hard to say, you know, 
because you just never know, right? You never know who you could meet on a train or bump into. True. I met Pete at a Christmas party, so I do think about my life sometimes if I wouldn't yeah. have gone to the Christmas party. I mean, yeah, it's true. Would Pete and I have eventually been introduced to each other by our friends? Or would we have passed each other by? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. What if I stayed home? Mm-hmm. If I was like, I'm not going to a damn no, party. I don't you, work there. If you weren't Glenn's plus one. I know. What would our B-life story be? Who knows? We'll have to write a, we'll have to write a rom-com about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, we definitely recommend watching this movie but what about this movie just really hits home to little you know 12 year old gay boys <laughs> makeovers <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow career woman we're yeah. checking off all of those boxes she's got a little sass yeah yeah she's got a little sass in there yeah she's um, she's got some sass little, little innocent uh, 12 year old 13 year old Josh was um Curious when she talked to her customers and uh, told them about giving her boyfriend a blowjob. This is true. I didn't know what that was. Yes. <laughs> you had to think about that one. Oh, man. I forgot about that. What is she, what's, what's she talking about? <laughs> uh, the innocence. True. Paltrow is just like my personal gay leading lady avatar. <laughs> when I'm running late for work or something, I like to, pre- I like to pretend that I am... Helen with my long brown wig. <laughs> when it doesn't work out, you give the grumpy face. You know, you've just missed the train or mm-hmm. missed the whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh man, we briefly talked about the Broad City episode that's called Sliding Doors, where it's the episode where Abby and Alana meet, and they do a whole episode that's like a tribute to Sliding Doors. And we just watched it before we recorded, and I think that episode's really cute. Listeners, yeah. you should go check it out. They do a really good job capturing the tone of this movie in a yeah. Broad City episode. Yeah. Complete with like the soundtrack, kind of little scene homages. Uh, there's, there's a makeover. There's a makeover. <laughs> what's the, there's two makeovers. What's the, um, what's the guy that's cutting off ponytails yeah For, i forgot his mm-hmm. name. oh the snipper yeah the, <laughs> the snipper yeah that's yeah. like some john water yeah. shit right there somebody that just cuts off yeah. ponytails and runs away <laughs> i uh i i've seen that one and i watched the fraser episode i mean that's the, the cool thing about this movie in a lot of ways you know late 90s is that there were so many sitcoms that emulated this the, this plot line or this you know style of you know what if you did or didn't I watched a Frasier episode the other night in preparation where he goes on, um, he does a dating service. And in one, he does the dating service. Um, and in one, he falls and you know breaks his arm, basically. And uh, it's kind of fun because I know you two are fans of her. Heather McDonald, a young Heather yep. McDonald star. Welcome to Juicy the- Scoop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Heather McDonald. In- yes. Yeah, she's one of the girls that he goes on the, the speed dating with. Um, but it's kind of cute. I wasn't a Frasier watcher, but I, I definitely looked up a list online of just all the different sitcoms that, you know, did the same thing. Yes. Like the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt episode, Sliding Van Doors, which shows an alternate timeline where Kimmy does not get into the Reverend's van in 1998 because she doesn't want to miss seeing Sliding Doors. And uh, <laughs> there's also in that episode a flash forward of Titus 
who is now starring in a fake sequel titled Sliding Doors 2 Tokyo Doors. <laughs> so, yeah, there's quite a few, you know, like we said, it's it's just embedded itself in in pop culture as like just the idea of of the what if moment, you know, if you missed your train or any sl- any kind of sliding door, a van door, a screen door. <laughs> so. The soundtrack makes it so fun too. You know, I think about I think back to the days where you did have movie trailers like this, which you know publicized the sound. Who was on the soundtrack at yeah. the end of it? Um, in this in this case, you know, Aqua. <laughs> and also, we should <laughs> mention this Dido song that's in the closing credits. Thank you. Yeah, that I mean, song did I not. Mean, that song did not chart until like two or three years later. Three years later, and that yeah, charted in I America, and then Eminem sampled it for Stan. Mm. That, that Dido man, she was like the Lizzo of her time. Mm-hmm. No, she wasn't. Like, is Dido the reason? <laughs> is Dido the reason why we stand celebrities? Yes, we say Stan. Yes, the song Stan. It's thank you from Sliding Doors. Right. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. She was writing for Britney Spears, and she was like just on the underground. Like, I I got the Dido album a year after came out a year after this movie, and wow. then that song, like you said, didn't chart for another two years. That's crazy. I also, Scott, you pointed out that this trailer does that awesome thing where the guy in the trailer goes starring Gwyneth Paltrow and Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm such a sucker for that. <laughs> Love it. And this trailer gives away the last shot of the movie. It did without context. Oh, it does with them with them in the elevator. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Ah, but you don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, we don't know anything. No context. We're good. That trailer. It almost sounds like they're doing an audio sample of Werewolves of London. In it. Dun, 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 I'm sure dun, dun. it's just some sort of like a sound effect library yeah, yeah. song that was free if not really cheap i thought it, i thought that too <laughs> yeah I Sh- that too. shows all these people bustling through the city which i don't think is even in the movie <laughs> right right you're like is that even london wow sliding doors oh gwyneth paltrow will you ever be back on the oscar stage <laughs> probably not <laughs> she's probably a one and done yeah winner yeah which i'm sure she's okay. fine with yeah, I li- Blythe is very proud. True, she. Yeah, Blythe is. Just, oh man, I still like Shakespeare in Love. It's I fun. just did a rewatch of Shakespeare in Love, and I think it is very charming. Yeah, it's very charming. I think it is That's a awesome. very warranted win. I think she's really good in it. And people yeah. always kind of think that she ended up stealing the category from Kate Blanchett for Elizabeth, but I mean, I think those two pretty much split all of the awards. That season, all the critical prizes, they both won the Globe. I don't know who won the SAG. I think it was Kate, but yeah, yeah, she was she was great. I feel like that uh, pink Dior dress. I still feel is a little ill fitting. Could fit a little nicer on the bust, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, it's a nice, it's a, it's a lovely like prom style dress. It was her Grace Kelly moment. Ah, yes. I feel like Gwyneth was always compared to Grace Kelly at this time. Sure. And we did watch her Oscar acceptance speech for, you know, for Shakespeare in Love, not this movie. Um, And it was charming. Yeah. 
it was not the Gwyneth that I expected. You know, like you half expect her to go up there and just be like, just completely over it. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was crying, right? She yeah, crying. yeah, on the verge. I feel like she's on the verge of tears. She might. No. Have it's almost like, yeah. even though I mean, it's probably silly for us to say this. I almost don't think that she expected to win. Right. It doesn't seem like she expected. That I think that she was somewhat surprised that she was on that stage. Yeah. yeah. It was such a power time for Gwyneth. I mean, like you said, you know, five movies. You know, the next year would go into one of Scott and I's favorites. You know, the talented Mr. Ripley and. You know, it was just—it was such a moment. You know, you yes. were you were on Gwen's side because you were just so used to her. I feel like we'll probably do this. We'll probably talk about this performance more when we do a talented Mr. Ripley episode. But I think she's really good in that movie for a very doormat character from the book. That I feel like there's probably not a lot on page when you read the talented Mr. Ripley, and I think that they really expand her role in particular. And she totally sells that part. I think she's great. If you guys really want to go underground, <laughs> 2000, duets. <laughs> it's directed by her dad. Oh, duets. I love the song. <laughs> Huey Lewis. <laughs> I love her her rendition of Cruisin' by Smokey yes. Robinson with Huey Lewis is really good. I, I have good. to say. I stand by her Betty Davis eyes. Also cover. very good. I yes, I have to say, like I'll you know go up and down about like how waspy and just like you know white bread Gwyneth Paltrow is, but her singing voice is very good. She was on Glee and she won an Emmy. Yeah, she had that yeah. weird single. Yeah, like ten, oh yeah, a country strong. Like yeah. ten years later, people were like Gwyneth sings, and we're like, um, did you guys see duets? Come oh, on. Oh oh we, oh, we already been new. <laughs> Oh, I, w- I was at Country Strong in its limited release yeah. in Los Angeles. <laughs> now I've got to go listen yeah. to Country Strong. <laughs> It'd be funny to do a. It would, be, it would be funny to do a Country Strong episode. I mean, there's time. Oscar-nominated <laughs> Country Strong, best original song. <laughs> wow, I I mean, you guys, I forgot about all this stuff. <laughs> Oh man, here we go. I found a little bit of it. We won't, we won't, we won't play too much of it. But so, do we have any, you know, final sliding doors, tidbits, or or thoughts? We definitely recommend watching this movie because we've decided it holds up extremely well. But how how do we want to go out on sliding doors? It holds its place in history. It's true. <laughs> it, it really does. It is now a term. Yeah, just the sliding doors moment when you think about missed opportunities or like not catching a taxi or a bus or a plane of how different your life would be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, if you feel like too wrapped up in Gwyneth and Goop and all of that stuff, I feel like give it a chance. You kind of get, you know, you get she wins you over. You know, like I said, I, I'm I'm of two minds when it comes to you know to GP to old Goopy, and sometimes I feel a little bit like ah this one, but then I watch a movie of hers and I'm just like I'm charmed. It's kind of you know? like how I feel about Madonna now, is that sometimes yeah. you just read or see interviews with Madonna and you just roll your eyes. And yeah, it's like fucking <laughs> magic. <laughs> and bad. then like I put on the Immaculate Collection is and all is forgiven. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Wow. 
and I mean, then you're cruising away. And then you're just oh, cruising oh, oh, oh. away. That, yes. Those dulcet tones. Yeah. Oh, Gwenny. Who oh, knew? Oh, Goopy. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Who knew? <laughs> You'll be back on this podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. We will definitely have more Gwyneth movies to represent in the future. Um, it's I mean, fun to be back, guys. Yeah, I'm this... really gooped and guy. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Always fun. Thanks for coming back on. This was, we, this was definitely How are we really doing fun. on time, Pete? Uh, we're doing great on time. We're doing perfect. Is there any... Uh, we can kind of... Since you were last on for our Oscars episode, this is going to be an interesting Oscar year. So do you have any hot takes of the clusterfuck that is going to be the 2021 Academy Awards? Because well, it's been extended we'll be, to January and February. February, uh, end of February deadline. Yeah, I think it will be a cluster. Um, but I think the real question is going to be the dominance of streaming and yes. what kind of effect it has. You could easily see an Oscars with, you know, 15 acting nominations coming out of streaming. The question, I think, is how far it goes. Will Michelle Pfeiffer finally win the lead actor Oscar? I hope so. <laughs> For French Exit. Michelle is, Michelle is coming back, and Glenn Close is coming back, giving you Appalachia. Appalachia. Wow. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. I don't think I've heard of either of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, there's uh, that's a lot for us to... To think about, we'll see what happens with the Oscars in a few months. Who knows? Yeah, or forever months. Yeah, right. It's going to be a long ride. God, wow. Well, like we said, thank you so much for coming on this. Thank you so much, Josh. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. You're very welcome. Hopefully, we'll get to uh, have you on again soon. You can be a movies that made us gay super duper star. Woohoo! Woohoo! Well, like I said, thank you so much. This was so much fun. We're going to see you off with our exit music. Bye. Bye, Josh. Bye, Josh. Wow. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We've got some great news. Yes. Uh, Tell it, Pete. Our Patreon has officially launched. You yes. can go over to patreon.com and search for movies that made us gay. And you can search our tiers to see if you would like to contribute to our Patreon. Do it. it. If you did that. Yeah, we've got lots of different levels. You know, starting out as just a dollar a month. You can get a shout-out on every single episode of Movies That Made Us Gay. We'll, we'll shout-out your name and your handle, Instagram handle, on every episode for the low, low cost of $5 a month, which is what? A trip to Starbucks? One trip to Starbucks? Yeah. You can get yourself not only the shout-out, but you can also get yourself our monthly newsletter. And the newsletter looks pretty good. The newsletter looks more than pretty good. It looks amazing. It looks great. It looks amazing. And you'll also get a handwritten postcard from the two of us. That's $5 a month. And for our $10 a month listeners, and that is two trips to Starbucks. That is one extra value meal at McDonald's. Come on, you guys. You can handle it. For that low, low price of $10 a month, you can get our bonus episodes. Each month, you'll get a bonus episode. 
It will be a movie commentary with Scott and I. So you can press play on our commentary track while you're watching a movie, and you can have the two of us commenting and watching the movie with you. This month, we did Scream 2. Yes, indeed. As a tie-in to our screen ep- our Scream episode. Yes, indeed. We'll have a new, ep- a new commentary track each month, and, you know, who's to say? Maybe we'll have more than one every month. Yeah. For the low, low price of $10. You can there might a- be a bonus episode. Yes, indeed. Thrown I- in per month, too. I feel like during the Halloween season, maybe there might be a couple of extras. So, yeah. We would love it if you would contribute to our Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com and look for movies that made us gay. You can also go to iTunes and write us a good review. Just like this one that I would like to read right now. This is actually from a Facebook user who is on Android and does not have access to Apple Podcasts. So they went ahead and wrote us a review on Facebook. This is from Christine Asher, who says, I love this podcast so much. Scott and Pete are so funny and entertaining to listen to. They're really knowledgeable about movies, and we have the same taste, which is great. I love to watch each week's movie just before listening to the podcast. Smiley face. Thank you, Christine Asher. Thank you so much. That was amazing. That's so sweet. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So that, love it. that review is on a Facebook comment, because not everybody has Apple Podcasts. And if you don't, Write us a review on Facebook, just like Christine did. We would love it so much. Scott, we got through another episode. We did it. We did it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Head over to Patreon.com. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Write us a review. Follow us on Instagram at Movies That Made Us Gay on Facebook and MTMUGPod on Twitter. Give us yes, a follow. Indeed. Give us a tweet. Yes, indeed. Give us a tweet. Give us a follow. Give us a shout. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.